Welcome to American Dissident Voices. I'm Kevin Alfred Strom. On today's program, I will be presenting the second part of my recent interview on the Resolution Radio Network with host Sonny Thomas. As I said last week, there were some technical challenges as we did the interview, but after some editing and restoration, I think everything's quite intelligible and the meaning is clear. So let's join the Resolution Radio Network now. Listen. And I don't see too many countries around here that have nationhood anymore, and that's exactly what the globalists want. Yeah, there's no there's no place for white people anymore. There's uh, every white country has to have open borders for non-whites whenever the non-whites want to come in there. And if you as a national leader, a political leader in any white country want to reverse that, then you are the incarnation of evil according to the Jewish media and they will do their best to destroy your political career. So, yeah, on every front the goal is to deny us what we need to survive as a race. And to survive as a race, you need territory. That's one of your most basic needs. You need an exclusive territory that is just your own. Nobody nobody around the world is saying the Japanese shouldn't have their own nation. Uh, nobody is saying that the uh, Ugandans should, shouldn't have their own nation. They're only saying that Frenchmen and Germans and Italians and Poles and Swedes and Norwegians and Brit Britons and Americans, white Americans, shouldn't have their own nation. A white American wanting his own nation, a white Briton wanting his own nation, uh, any, any European person wanting his or her own nation is some kind of incredible evil, according to this false morality that's been imposed on us. But actually, it's not only not incredibly evil, it's not evil at all. It's necessary. You can't live as a people unless you have your own nation. Well, another thing they want to mess with and deny us that we must have is we must have a next generation because human life is limited. We only live, uh, you know, less than a hundred years, less than a century. Almost all of us we're, we're gone after that. And we need a new generation. We need a new generation every 20, 25 years or so. And uh, if we don't have that, we're dead. It's a necessity. And yet they're messing with our sexual behavior and our natural sexual reproduction in every single way that they can, promoting any kind of degeneracy as long as it leads to fewer white children. And... So again, they want to deny us what we absolutely need to survive. Another thing we absolutely need to survive as a race, as a people, is we need to keep our wealth for our own people. We need generational wealth, wealth that passes yeah. through the generations and benefits the next generation and the generation after that. Wealth that builds up over the generations so that the fourth and the fifth generation are much wealthier, much wealthier than the current generation. And they have set up a financial system that's, that skims off a large percentage of our wealth every time we make a transaction, every time we purchase anything, every, any time we try to save our wealth. No matter what we do, 
they're skimming off their percentage and it goes to the Jewish power structure. It goes to the big banks. It goes to their financial institutions. And it's taken away from our people. And they do it through the tax system, too. And so there, there's a third thing that they're trying to deny us that we absolutely need if we're going to survive. And so if that's not genocide, I don't know what is. That is part of their manifesto of Agenda 2030 is they want to eliminate inheritance. And uh, which I've often, I've, I've always uh, thought about this over the years. John Wayne should be canceled because of a one statement he made in an interview in Playboy in 1971. It says, we have to have John Wayne Day in California canceled because of one statement they took out of context uh, in, in an interview he did in 1971. So his whole career has to be forgotten about. Well, every every people always names its cities and builds its monuments and names its institutions after its own. That's just natural. That's a that's a law of life. If you think mm-hmm. that America, you know, once it turns into a, a an almost fully non-white country, is going to keep the names of of uh, white great achievers. Uh, in its institutions or its cities, et cetera, and, and over the long term, you're just crazy. They, uh, race trumps everything. Race is, it's not just some uh, hick in a trailer court who, uh, you know, hates black people. That That's not it at all. Race is a very deep thing, and it informs everything that an individual does, a society does, and uh, every society is going to name its institutions and its cities and its uh, various things that it wants to, you know, confer as an honor in the name of its own people, its own heroes. That's just the way it is. So if you think that these uh, savages that we've imported, once they've managed to chop off enough heads to have total power of temporarily... If you think they're going to uh, name th- continue to name things after Woodrow Wilson or even Jimmy Carter, who practically worshipped them, uh, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. They're going to rename them, and it doesn't matter if they were slave owners or not. You know, it's even worse is that even if they're you know social justice warriors and and try to pull a bunch of stuff, it's like oh, it doesn't help the, the fact that you you sold out as a white person. Oh no, now that you're white, you have to be totally canceled. Well, I, I don't think that, uh, you know, these these uh, black-worshipping, multiracial, leftist white types who support Black Lives Matter uh, are going to save themselves in the world they're creating by being for Black Lives Matter. I, I don't think, I, I, even right now, I don't think if, if some white liberal uh, person is going to walk across all of Chicago uh, at midnight I don't think it really matters whether he has a Black Lives Matter T-shirt on or not. I think he's going to have some trouble. Right. When we can't even defend, when our women are actually accosted in broad daylight, that's our fault. Because we didn't stand up and do our duty as men. That we didn't actually start saying enough of this crap and start doing something about it to counter it. And then... These Christians are bringing them in and say, oh, you're all God's children. We're here to help you. Yeah. Pretty soon they're going to outpopulate you, rape your women, and kill your children. I mean, seriously. When George, when George Wallace stepped back 
and let that black girl walk in that school, that was considered probably the last true battle of the American Civil War when he blinked and let that girl walk in. He never should have let that happen. But now we have some governors that are at least trying to do something about this crap, and the federal government's doing everything they can to do the same thing they pulled back in the 60s. Well, I I do wonder about these politicians, uh, how much of it is real and how much of it is just showboating to get the white vote. But because the white vote still is important in some jurisdictions, not all, but in some jurisdictions, they will say, let's build a wall, let's be tough on illegal immigration. But how many of them will say the word white or the word non-white? Because when they'll do that, that's when they'll get my respect. When they say, we need to stop non-white immigration. We need to stop non-white migrants. And we need to have a racially pure area for our people to reproduce, to find mates, to live their lives where they're not harassed, not endangered by the presence of other races. And when a politician says that, then I'll respect him. I don't respect Donald Trump. Uh, Not only did Donald Trump uh, bow down to Israel and Jews almost as if he worshipped them, but he even said, uh, well, yes, we need a wall, but it needs to have a big, beautiful golden door in it so we can get the excellent, wonderful non-white immigrants that have good quality and are vetted not to be terrorists. To hell with that. We need a white nation again. That's what we need. You know, I know what really pissed me off about him is the last day in office was he pardoned 28 people and like 19 of them were Jews. And one of them was his own, essentially his brother-in-law, which is his son-in-law's father who was convicted on uh, real estate fraud. Yeah, a long list of Jews and non-whites of various stripes were pardoned by Trump, both right at the end and also during his presidency. And was a single... A uh, January 6th defendant pardoned by Trump? He he had the power to do that. I don't think so. Right. Did he pardon James Alex Fields? No. Did he pardon any white person oh, who's been no. put in prison because of political persecution? No. In fact, I don't think no, I ever no, no, heard the no. word white uh, come out of Donald Trump's mouth. I don't believe I've ever heard that. Yeah, now, I, I, when he first was dealing with Charlottesville, he was trying to be in the middle. And he said, there were people, bad people on both sides. And I was like, no, there wasn't. There's was only bad people on the left side. I know I was there. I filmed the damn thing. Yeah. And I was actually going to contact him and say, sir, you're wrong. You know, I was actually there filming it. And um, uh, I mean, the, the, the protesters who were the right wingers were attacked by the counter protesters. As soon as they got within like 50 feet of the park, the first group was attacked head on. Well, uh, I have to admit that that torchlight parade the night before was rather beautiful when uh, you saw a group of young white men oh, yeah. saying that Jews will not replace us. Uh, that was beautifully done. But a lot of the rest was very poorly planned. Uh, I think that the announcing to your enemies what you're going to do and when you're going to do it beforehand is probably just generally a bad idea. Also, I think there is a very great risk in having these disparate groups with leaderships who are jealous of one another, uh, with really incompatible ideologies all come together and trying to unite. I think that really is a mistake. I think the National Alliance approach, and I'm a member 
and an official of the National Alliance, of working to build a community with a united will and a united leadership, all moving in the same direction is the same, is the way to go. And so we, we weren't, I, I guess we, there probably were some members at Charlottesville. I used to live in Charlottesville, but I didn't live there when this happened. But I, I think what we're doing down in Upper East Tennessee, um, and you can read about it at nationalvanguard.org or natal.com, N-A-T-A-L-L.com. We're building a community. We've purchased uh, land. We purchased uh, a great deal of land just in the last couple of years. We're refurbishing residences. Uh, we're building an infrastructure so that white families are getting together, raising children, uh, raising them outside of the uh, the evil system, the preventing them from we're, we're preventing those kids from being taught to hate themselves. We're building a library and research center, which is centered around several libraries. The most prominent of which is the library of our founder, Dr. William Pierce. And uh, we are working to make ours an organization that can be the kernel of a new community that will eventually be able to survive the centuries and preserve our gene pool, preserve our traditions and the knowledge that people like William Pierce and others have taught to our people so that can live forever from generation to generation. Uh, now, Dan, do you run the Dr. William Luther Pierce archive? They do post some of his... Uh classic clips uh, from time to time, either on a particular subject or whatever. And it's always good to see those. And sometimes they take the time to do like a little uh, slideshow with it. And uh, it's very informational. Yeah, this may be somebody who's uh, uploading our slideshows because we had a volunteer who worked for several years creating slideshows uh, of Dr. Pierce, mostly of Dr. Pierce, but also of other National Alliance activities and activists. And attaching these slideshows as a video track to go with Dr. Pierce's radio programs, which I have spent many hundreds of hours restoring and remastering. Uh, and so it may be that it's somebody who's uploading those. I hope it is because so many uh, people take Dr. Pierce's speeches and then they they uh, they upload them to some social media site, but then there's no place for people to go. They don't put the National Alliance URL on it. They don't put nationalvanguard.org address on it. There's just no place for people to go. But, you know, those those programs that Dr. Pierce produced are uh, are the legacy of the alliance and they're the property of the alliance. And they really anybody who puts anything up. The, from Dr. Pierce really, I think, has a moral obligation to put natal.com, N-A-T-A-L-L.com, or nationalvanguard.org, or both, on the video. And I hope that's being done. We sell these uh, in uh, high-fidelity uh, recordings uh, that you can buy at our at our store, which you can find uh, at cosmotheistchurch.org. We, uh, we run our store through, the, through our church which also was also founded by Dr. Pierce. There's a lot of media that we we produce. I'm the media director for the Alliance, so we, we have many, many articles, uh, well over 10,000 articles that we've put up, both in print form and also on nationalvanguard.org uh, that people can read, and they include a lot of works by Dr. Pierce, including his radio work. Yeah, matter of fact, I'm looking at your um, C 
CDs and DVDs section on org, and you've got 12 volumes of um, The Power of Truth uh, from uh, William Pierce, as well as a reissue of uh, Call of the Blood by Dresden. Yes. So on there as well. And also, very interesting, you actually have uh, the Turner Diaries audiobook narrated by Dr. Pierce. So, I mean, that in itself is a nice little... Um, uh, archive as well because the fact that I'm a big fan of when authors um, do audiobooks because I feel closer to the author when I listen to them. Yes. Um, but it's nice to be able to hear those because, you know, if you have a long drive, it's nice to hear audiobooks like that because a lot of times I remember lectures better than I remember reading material because the fact that mm-hmm. someone actually told me something and something they said sticks in my head. Whereas if I'm reading a book, that may not stick with me right away. Dr. Pierce, because of these recordings of his voice, uh, not only the Turner Diaries, which is excellent, I encourage everybody to check it out, it's it's perfect, uh, but his radio program, he's really not dead. Uh, people are listening to his voice right. every day. I mean, for example, we run a 24-7 radio network and a very large part of the programming on the National Alliance Radio Network is Dr. Pierce's speeches and his radio programs. And uh, we also uh, uh, have some of the chapters from the Turner Diaries up there too that you can listen to in order and get a sense of that story. And so, and I go there and I look at the statistics and I see that you know, in the last uh, 30 days, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people have been listening to Dr. Pierce's voice. His voice is being heard. And, you know, my voice is on there, too. So when I do my radio show or when I do an interview like this, it's it, 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 it lives on. It multiplies our voice. And that's one of the great things about the Internet age and the digital audio age, because no matter how much they try to squash it, it pops up again somewhere else. <laughs> and uh, truth is powerful. Dr. Pierce told the truth, and I do my damnedest to tell the truth, too. So, uh, well, we need organization. Just a, a bunch of individuals doing some, an individual effort isn't enough, and that's why I've put my life energies into the National Alliance because I think it's something that will be permanent. Uh, the National Alliance uh, had its beginnings in 1969. It was officially incorporated by Dr. Pierce in 1974. So uh, the official incorporation, the 50th anniversary, is coming up soon. I think it has survived the test of time. You've also mentioned before that, um, and, and also the building of the um, Dr. Pierce Library, that he had a vast library of books and all sorts of reading material. Some, obviously, that he purchased on his own. Others that were given to him by listeners or, or just uh, people that are just general, um, you know, history guys. And it was interesting is that uh, are you going to inc- try to include all the books that he had in his library? Because you had shown a picture before, and it was pretty massive from what I saw. Because one of the things I, re- I really liked about when I go see Thomas Jefferson's house at Monticello is that when he died, he had sold a lot of his books to pay some- for some of his debts. But then over time, people started returning those books or selling them back to the estate. Mm-hmm. So they could return them back to their proper owner's mm-hmm. ownership. And a lot of the books that are in Jefferson's house were the actual copies he had owned. So that's always a neat thing. But, yes. Um, 
I, I, I'm assuming a you're going to keep the actual copies <clears throat> probably behind you know case and glass per se, and then try to find new copies of these that might be available for the library to use. Correct. Well, we are preserving all of Dr. Pierce's personal library. It's 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 uh, it's the original volumes. He has owned them. They're not going to be behind glass, though. They're just going to be behind locked doors so that only serious researchers who are working for our cause will be able to access them. But they will be available to those who are writing articles, doing research. And uh, there are... Other libraries, uh, the library of uh, Dr. Gant, who was a rather famous astronomer who supported the National Alliance, is part of that our library now. And there have, have been uh, several other libraries, uh, some of them quite large, that have come into our hands thanks to the work of our chairman, Will Williams. Who, you, you know, some people collect books. He collects libraries. And all of them are being put under one roof. Right now, we've built the warehouse uh, external walls and structure. We're building the interior now. Once the warehouse is built, then the books will go into it temporarily, and then we're going to build the actual library and research center. We'll continue this interview next week on American Dissident Voices. Dissident Voices.